Trick a day. Hey guys. We're here for top fives and deep dives this week. Diving into the Harold and Kumar trilogy. It's been a while since we've seen these films, so it was really nice to revisit them. We've got me, Justin, right here, and we got Mike on the other end. Hey, y'all. And yeah, we're going into Harold and Kumar. So there's three films. We've got Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. We have Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. And then we have the most recent, 2011, I believe, a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. So... Fun fact number one, are you aware that Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle is not called that in the UK? What's it called? It's called Harold and Kumar Get the Munchies because we don't have White Castle. That is... It's a, a vastly inferior title, but Holy shit. I, I noticed that, like, I don't know, the first time it came on TV here a couple of years ago. That's almost like sacrilegious. It's really, it really loses the entire sense of adventure in the title, and I hate it. But anyway... For oh our British listeners, you're missing out. I truly, truly hate that. It's like you can, I mean, look, I understand. All right. There's no White Castle there, but this is, there's a movie about going to White Castle. And and they go to White Castle in the film. So like, obviously, you know, it's the same movie. It's just titled differently. And we don't, I mean, we don't have White Castle in Connecticut really. And we knew what it was like. Absolutely. That's, oh bullshit. my God. Total That's bullshit. absolutely ridiculous. Um... Wow. Great fun fact number one. So Honestly, it's an unfun fact, though. It's our first and only unfun fact. True. I hate that fact. Fuck that fact. So, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Landed in movie theaters a little, a little 16 years ago. July 30th, 2004. And, I mean, it changed the stoner comedy forever. It just, it was crazy. It was this little $9 million movie with John Cho and Cal Penn, who at the time were pretty much, I mean, pretty much unknown. They each only made 75 grand for the role, which if if you know the salaries that actors make, that's just ridiculously low. And I think, I think it was Cal Penn. He said that after he had to pay his agent and whatnot, he only ended up making like 22 grand off this movie. So it's like, they were they were unknown actors, nine million dollar budget, which is pretty small. And who the hell knew that this thing would blow up and become an absolute like cult classic? And even at the box office, it did it did well. It did eighteen million in the states, so it double you know did double its budget, twenty four million worldwide. And then once it came out on DVD and everything, it just went nuts and did unbelievable. But it's uh. It's written by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, who they've written all three films. You also might know them. They directed American Reunion. So they they rebooted the American Pie franchise for that legendary finish to it. And they also are behind the recent hit, Cobra Kai. Um, so they're, they're pretty... These guys are pretty fucking awesome. But this first film was directed by Danny Leiner. Um, I think that's how you say it. Maybe Danny Liner. But he sort of acted as a mentor to them on this. And he had directed the other stoner comedy, Dude, Where's My Car? 
a few years prior. Um, so, I mean, we've got a fucking legend here. He's also done some TV shows like Arrested Development, Freaks and Geeks, plenty of others, but um, those are some big ones. Sopranos, The Office. So we've got those guys behind it. We've got John Cho as Harold, Cal Penn as Kamar, and I think, do you want to go and do it from there, Mike? Sure. Yeah. So quick summary of the film, just going over kind of the main plot to jog everyone's memory. So uh, as Justin mentioned, John Cho is Harold, who's kind of a young investment banker, uh, and his roommate, uh, Cal Penn, is Kumar, who's a, I guess you'd say, aspiring med school student. They, they're just kind of fresh out of college. Um, they live together. They get high a lot, presumably. And on this day, they decide, you know, what are we going to get to eat? And they, they want to get White Castle. So they go to a White Castle, basically, which turns out to be not there. And that's going to set them off kind of on their adventure to find one. Um, eventually, they, you know, they, they go through a series of adventures. They see Harold's crush, uh, Maria, on the road. Kumar tries to talk to her. Harold kind of freaks out, crashes the car. They get their car fixed by like an out- outrageous, I guess, mechanic, you want to say. Um, and almost but don't fuck that guy's wife. Uh, they pick up a hitchhiker to get them back on track, who turns out to be Neil Patrick Harris. Um, then Neil Patrick Harris steals their car. You know, they get arrested, or Harold does at least. Kumar breaks them out of jail. They ride a fucking cheetah. Uh, they steal a car. <laughs> Then they hang glide to eventually land at White Castle, which is extremely satisfying. Uh, MPH just happens to be there, returns their car. They drive home. Harold sees his crush Maria there. He, uh, you know, confesses his feelings to her. They, They make out a little bit and everything is good, but she is unfortunately going out of the country to Amsterdam, uh, for the next 10 days. So Harold's, you know, disappointed but sort of happy with that but kumar no we should go to amsterdam and meet her there thus queuing up the sequel that we now know exists but obviously didn't know at the time uh well let's 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 start right there first of all i love that they queue up the sequel just dial it right up i love when movies do that and this one's even better because they actually deliver that sequel in, in exactly the way that they described. Yes. And yeah, like it, we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes, but it literally picks up the second, essentially, that this movie ends, which is awesome. And absolutely incredible. Also, even if there never was a sequel, which I'm so happy that there was more Harold and Kumar adventures, it's just such a great fucking way to end it. It's like the, the big fucking stoner boys are going to go to Amsterdam. It's like, is there a more perfect ending? Come on. And and then even at that, like the like during the credits scene with like the newscaster is also like like you were already like, wow, what a great ending. And then they dial up some more laughs during the credits, which is hilarious. Yeah, sort of give some endings to the smaller characters throughout the film. Yeah. And I, I mean, just starting there, really. I mean, you mentioned it, but I, I assume that you saw this in theaters. Yes. Yeah. So this was this is still like one of my favorite theater experiences to this day mostly because 
as you mentioned, you know, uh, the, the, the writers like weren't really well known for much until this movie, our stars weren't well, well known for much, um, something that we can maybe talk about, but I, I think it also plays into the fact that both of our co-stars are, are Asian, which is something that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, this is just a sort of lower budget comedy, which, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. Now there's none back then there was kind of a lot. And frankly, Nobody had any idea what to expect from this movie. There was some interesting, like, you know, crossover marketing with White Castle, but basically no one knew what to expect from this movie, and it's fucking hilarious. Absolutely. It was one of those movies that just came out of nowhere. And once it came out, it's like, how the how how is this not going to exist ever? It's like these two guys that have to make this pilgrimage to White Castle, it's it became ingrained in an entire generation of kids. And I mean, I can say single-handedly, it is the reason why I have gone to White Castle. And I I actually took, Mike, this, this is very, like, it is great for this podcast because it's involving you. But I went to White Castle. My first, first time going to White Castle was with... Dave Kramer and your cousin Sal. Unbelievable. I still don't know why I didn't go to that. I, I forget. So what probably happened, because you drive drove to fucking Long Island or whatever. Yes, yes. So so I'll get, I have to tell this story really quickly. So pretty much what happened, Mike grew up in Monroe, Connecticut, which isn't like crazy far from the New York border, but it's I mean it's also not like right next door, but what? It's probably what, the 20, 30 minutes? Uh, it's, it's closer to like an hour, I guess. Okay. Okay. Well, in my, in my haze this one night, I think I thought it was shorter than it was, but yeah. So he's, you know, close, close to an hour from the border to, to New York. And this one Sunday night, we are at Mike's house drinking a bit. Um, and one of our buddies who, who hadn't been drinking was like, all right, let's get in the car. Um, we're going to Wendy's. And it's a Sunday night. Sunday night. So we get to Wendy's. And it has literally just closed. And it was early. I want to say it was like, well, it wasn't early. But I want to say that it closed at midnight. So I, I think that's when it closed. That and could so, be right, yeah. We're like, fuck, oh my God, it's not open till like 2 a.m. Oh shit, it's a Sunday. So we pull off into this parking lot. And me and my my best buddy from growing up, Dave Kramer, we look at each other. And we had we had wanted for you know a couple years now to go to White Castle. Because this this probably would have been in about maybe 2008. So so a handful of years after the movie came out. Still hadn't gone somehow. And we were like, fuck, like we need, like we need, it was sort of like this. We're like, we need some really good food right now. Like we need it. And Mike's cousin, Sal, who's fucking hilarious. He can be, he's like, he like, he'll like talk really quick and he'll be like, Hey guys, guys, like what, like, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? Like sort of like freak out. And so he's sort of looking at us, realizing that something, something is going on in our head. Something is brewing. He's like, guys, what, whoa, like, what, what are you guys thinking? Like, what's going on? What's going on? 
Kramer and I just look at each other and Kramer just looks at me and he goes, we're fucking going. He's like, we're fucking going. Look up the closest one. And Sal is just like, oh, no. Oh, no. What's going on, guys? What's going on? He's like, oh, dear Lord, I shouldn't have come in this car ride. And (laughs) we look up the closest White Castle that's open. 24-hour one, of course. And it's in fucking Long Island, which is like a two-hour drive from where we are. Without any question, Kramer and I are like, we're going. And we just start driving. And Sal is like, guys, what the fuck? What the fuck? He's like, does not want to be in this ride. And we are just not taking no for an answer. We're like, Sal, we're already on our way. Like, it's fine. Like, just sit back. We're going to get delicious White Castle. To make this two-hour pilgrimage, we get there. I want to say we got there, like, you know, maybe, like, around 2 a.m. And it was magical. Like, we, we pull in the way that the drive through was, was outrageous. They like sent your food through a chute that went over your car and out the other side. It was like some futuristic shit. And we just ordered like two crave cases. We ordered like pretty much what they ordered in the movie. We ordered each like a crave case, four French fries, like sodas. It was outrageous. And we, we just sat in the parking lot and feasted like Kings and it was glorious and Sal probably never got in a car with us again. And I don't know, was it all of you or was it just Sal that went to my house and brought me White Castle at like 4.30 in the morning? It was it was just Sal in the sense of we dropped him off and we went home. Okay. Um, but yeah, we had we had initially left Mike's. Like, all right, guys, we're going to get fast food real quick. We'll come back. It turned into we never came back because – it was fucking four thirty in the morning when we got back and we wanted to go home and go to sleep. So, but it was an absolutely legendary adventure and I, it felt like our own little, uh, little Harold and Kumar adventure, except it was Justin and Kramer. And my, I did the same thing uh, at a different time, but, but a slightly more reasonable circumstance. I must've went, you know, pretty soon after the movie came out and the closest one open at a normal time to us was yonkers so yeah i drove to yonkers big shout out yonkers and there was a a white castle uh like a combo white castle and church's chicken which big shout out church's chicken but yeah got it and it was absolutely legendary and i think well i hope a lot of people did the same thing this definitely inspired many people at least i know to get White Castle, which isn't – we don't really have a lot of in the Northeast, uh, which is kind of the fun of the movie in general. But it just – and that's also why the UK title is terrible. Like you just lose that whole sense of making that journey, and it's just incredible. Well, because it's like if in the UK it was called Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, you'd probably have a couple crazy motherfuckers over in the UK that just dream about doing something nuts and getting on a plane and going to the States to get White Castle, which is legendary. Yes. And and just changing the title to get the munchies is just like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's like a stoner comedy, but like it's so much more than that. And it just really devalues the movie. Absolutely agree. But yeah, I mean, uh, good, good call on the Yonkers one, by the way. It's definitely the closest one to Connecticut. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not that it's that close. It was still like an hour 15, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. Well, so that's, I mean, and you mentioned also, you know, we talked about the theater and obviously the follow-up, but 
this was definitely a huge DVD. I think everybody RH had or has it on DVD. And this was also like in the height of the unrated DVD thing. Mm-hmm. Where you just you just had to get it. You just had to get it. You had and it was to like get it. The marketing ploy that got everybody that was 18 years old. You had to get every unrated DVD. Without question. You had to see that extra 40 seconds that they couldn't show in the theaters. Yeah, you just had to be there. What a time. What, what a, a time. fucking time. And like this movie, I mean, there's so many like great little things in this movie. And, and we'll get into like some quotes and funny moments in a few. But just before that, even there's just there's so many funny things that happen and there's so many like funny little references like i love for instance that they have the 50 cent poster in their apartment yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. there's like a great little soundtrack like i love for instance that when they walk in to the apartment the black eyed peas song is playing dude and it's uh i remember distinctly like certain people like reacting in the theater because like the unedited version of that song was never ever played anywhere it was Ever. always let's get it started always and this one has the let's get retarded and uh, yeah right yeah, yeah. such uh, a such a pump up track for the for the for the whole movie really it, it really was and even like what's it in fucking uh well, what's really really funny is that he kumar in the first one is wearing that shirt in one of the first scenes that says i love bush the pussy not the president yeah. <laughs> and then fucking Bush is in the second well like a an actor playing Bush is in the second one which is fucking hilarious um, but there's just yeah so many great things what's his face has a great little uh, cameo um, Fred Willard as the 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 person inter- the doctor interviewing him for medical school yeah dude I love that where he's like uh, we started the hemoglobin trotters yeah <laughs> <laughs> Then it's like Fred Willard, what a legend. Dude, we got the Ryan Reynolds cameo, which is insane because it's such a fucking homage to Van Wilder, which is unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. And that cameo ages what better every single day as Ryan Reynolds gets more and more of an A-lister. Totally. It just looks so much funnier. And did you see I I admit I had to I read this online rather than noticing it myself, but I I knew I was like, oh fuck this. Like feels really obviously you've got both Cal Penn and Ryan Reynolds, who were both in, in Van Wilder um, in this scene. But it's I didn't realize that it's absolutely a tribute in the sense of when Ryan Reynolds shows up and he, he wipes Cal Penn's Kumar. He wipes his brow after Kumar completes the surgery on the dying man. It's a tribute to the scene in Van Wilder where Cal Penn wipes Ryan Reynolds's brow during the uh, infamous baked goods scene where yeah i i did not pick that up ever but i did read it and i went back to watch it and it's just unbelievable because like that scene in van wilder is one of the iconic scenes where they pretty much pump the dog's fucking semen into the baked goods and give it outrageous outrageous give it i think the the second time we've talked about that on this podcast despite not reviewing van wilder which is just legend just and we will we absolutely will um Dude, I got to throw out some fun facts from this movie. Okay, go. Can I go? Yeah. So, one, this is sort of sad pride for all you big fans of the movie. But you know what? It's awesome, too. So, Cal Penn's a vegetarian. So, he couldn't eat the actual White Castle burgers. But it didn't even matter. 
because they were like, fuck it. We're going to make you some veggie White Castle burgers. So that's what he's eating in the movie. Um, also, I mean, how can we... I can't believe it's taken 15 to 20 minutes to even mention this, but the star of the fucking movie is NPH. The whole franchise. The whole franchise. The The fucking resurrection of Neil Patrick Harris's career. I mean, the man steals the show in every film in this trilogy. It was an absolutely genius move by the writers and, you know, he was their first choice of who they wanted. And this relaunched his career. He got the role of Barney Stinson a year later. How I Met Your Mother started in 2005. Um, and and funny enough, the if he had turned down the role, fun fact is their second choice was Ralph Macchio, um, which is pretty, pretty fucking timely right now, given that Cobra Kai has blown up on Netflix recently. That and is hilarious. He's sort of having his ultimate resurgence. But yeah, MPH just fucking crushes. And we're going to talk a lot more about MPH. But man, there's a lot of fun facts for this movie. So another fun one Hot Dog Heaven, which is the restaurant that Goldstein and Rosenberg do their pilgrimage to in the movie. So it's only, there's only two locations of this place. And it's, and, it's in two cities in Ohio, Amherst and Avon Lake. So the producers of the film, they had had lunch in the original restaurant in Amherst one day, and they loved it so much that they asked the owner if they could use the logo in the movie, which is a pretty awesome like little little thing about Hot Dog Heaven. Big shout out Hot Dog Heaven. Maybe someday we'll have to have it. I would love we to. Should have, we should have done a... a, a a pilgrimage to hot dog heaven too. I mean, we need to do a pilgrimage to white castle together. It sounds like now after this podcast, for sure. I had white castle so much when I was living in Chicago. Lucky man. Lucky man. I was in Vegas recently and I, I wanted to get it late night, but I ended up, I mean, I got too drunk and passed out. So it happened. (laughs) Um, Speaking about MPH, another fun fact about that legend is so in the credits, usually if you're playing yourself, you're just credited as, as, you know, himself, herself, whatever. So he's actually credited as playing a character named Neil Patrick Harris. And he's billed that way because he wanted to make it clear that he's playing a parody of himself. It's so crazy in retrospect that he was like that worried about like what people would think. I know. Because he's like the coolest and, and, dude. Ever. How much it's actually helped his career? Like it's it's just a, a, a just a weird moment in history. Totally, totally. And he did that for all three. I mean, obviously, once you do it for the first movie, you got to do it for all three movies. But it's credited that way in all three films. Pretty pretty cool. Um, oh, really really funny fact. So when the girls are playing battleships. And they're and they're shitting in the fucking bathroom. Harold and Kumar are stuck in the stall in between them. Those are real sounds of people taking shits. It was recorded by one of the film sound technicians at a truck stop. It's such a great idea. I know. But it's like it literally almost sounds fake because it's so ridiculous, but it is real. Um 
Oh, man. So a couple more good ones. And then, Mike, I'll let you throw some out if you've got some. But so the dust in which team was this in this? Oh, yeah. So the dust in the vent when Kumar is sort of crawling through the vent above the jail when Harold's in jail. So Calpen is extremely allergic to nuts. And the crew, they had received a memo saying that, but somehow it fell through the cracks and they made the dust out of walnut powder. And so when they started filming the scenes, Cal Penn had an extreme allergic reaction, had to go immediately to the hospital and thank God everything was okay. But like, he's like allergic to like the, he could, he could have easily died because of that. And we would have had no Harold and Kumar and poor Cal Penn would have lost his life. So thank God that that did not happen. But the powder was then remade with chocolate powder for the next round of shooting. Sounds a lot better. Um, and then one, one more that I'm going to give you, I'll see if Mike has any, otherwise I have a few more, but so Rosenberg and Goldstein, who are just gems of characters in this, in these films, they are named after characters in Shakespeare's play Hamlet. So they are named after Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And the writers, uh, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, they hope one day still to create an alternate film with these characters that takes place in the same time period as Harold and Kumar, but similar that, so I guess Tom Stoppard had a play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead that takes place in the same time period as Hamlet. So it's like sort of this whole idea that they have based off of these plays where they'd love to do a spinoff with Rosenberg and Goldstein within the world. And which I fucking love that idea. Cause I think they're, they're absolute gems of characters that have some of the biggest laughs in the films. But yeah, do you have, you have any Mike or you want me to throw out a few more? Um, well, maybe we should, uh, you mentioned a few already in your facts, but maybe we should talk about a few more of the cameos in this movie. Agreed. So we did, so we did Ryan Reynolds and NPH is, a cameo, but so much more, really. Uh, Anthony Anderson, absolutely legend. Oh, my working God. At a, a, the non-White Castle burger place. Yep, Burger Shack. Such a legend. Uh, for me, Ethan Embry, who's not super famous, but big shout-out, can't hardly wait. Uh, Jamie Kennedy in, like, a totally... If if MPH wasn't here, like, this would steal the show for me because he's so good in the 30 seconds that he's in the film. Amazing. Uh, Bobby Lee in like watching this now, like if you look at just a picture of Bobby Lee in 2020 and then you just watch this movie, just the, the ridiculous dichotomy of like how like clean cut he is just gets me so much. Oh my God, I know. It's amazing. Dude, and what I think is maybe the best cameo in the sense that I had absolutely no idea until this week that this is this person. Dude, Freak Show? Do you know who plays him? I I didn't know this either until this week. Christopher Maloney, who's basically, I mean, unless you like Oz, he's a stabler from SVU, plays Freak Show. He's also in the second film, but plays Freak Show, and I literally spent my whole life not knowing it was him. Same. It blew, I mean, it obviously blew both of our minds this week. 
It, fucking legendary. Fucking legendary. And then the fact that he comes back in the second film as a completely different character. He's like the, the grand wizard of like a fucking KKK, the KKK. Like, Absolutely incredible. What a fucking role. What a role. So, so much props. Yeah, they love the cameos in these films. And, and this one has some fucking great ones. Um, oh, also Malin Ackerman playing the wife of Freak Show. Yeah. So good. So, so, good. so good. So good. Um, and we see your boobs, which is yes, something that that uh, Goldstein and Rosenberg would love. Uh, yes, they would. Yeah. David Crumholtz and Eddie K. Thomas, for what it's worth. Yeah. And they, yeah, they are just, they're probably after Harold and Kumar and MPH, like the next most like regular characters of the franchise. Yes. Um, and they only have a few roles, but they they make... They make a lot out of them. But yeah, so love all those cameos. And I think we should jump into the top five quotes, funny moments in a moment. But I just have a couple more things I want to throw out about this one. Because this one of the three films has by far the most like interesting facts about it. And so I, I think something that's really, really interesting about this one is... So John Cho wrote this piece for the LA Times actually this year. And he recalled that when they were going on the press tour for the white, this one, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, that funny enough, because this happens in the second film, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this helped inspire it, but um Cal Penn was repeatedly stopped and searched whenever they went through airport security. So this is what John Cho says. He says, we flew across the country, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Seattle, and it became a grim routine. Flight after flight, Cal would be pulled aside for a random search. On one leg of the tour, Cal's friend Gabe joined us. And when we hit security, Cal was selected for a search while Gabe and I flew through unscathed. We gathered our bags and waited on a bench for Cal to be released. Rummaging through his backpack, Gabe suddenly said, Cal's going to be annoyed. When I looked inside it, I realized why. Gabe, who is white, had gone camping recently and had neglected to remove his Rambo-sized hunting knife from his backpack. I gasped and looked back at Cal, who was watching a Transportation Security Administration worker empty the contents of his bag. It was a reality check. So for a film that like plays so much on the racial inequalities in the country, and like it's a big joke throughout the film which is meant, of course, to show us how fucking ridiculous it is that we treat people of different nationalities differently. But it's pretty crazy that on this press tour, he pretty much was stopped at every fucking... And think about it, it was only three years after 9-11. There's a lot of sort of prejudice and racism when it would come to flying and seeing someone that looks, you know, Indian or Muslim or whatever. And it's pretty fucked up. His friend, his white friend was able to get through security with a fucking hunting knife. And Cal Penn is getting stopped pretty much at every airport randomly, quote unquote. Isn't that pretty crazy, Mike? Dude. Yeah. And, and honestly watching this back it now, the whole like storyline with Gary Anthony Williams about like being black and in jail and like mm-hmm. the police violence is like, 
it's almost less funny now. Like it's obviously meant to like highlight an issue that we've done fuck all about, but like fuck man. It's 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 too real. It's, it's too real, it's right? Too now. fucking real. And and the last things I'm gonna throw out before we dive into this top five list is both John Cho and Cal Penn have appeared on How I Met Your Mother alongside MPH, which is pretty epic after this film, of course. And that, you know, Danny Danny Leaner, Liner, however we're going to say it, um, who directed Dude, Where's My Car? This film has a Dude, Where's My Car reference, which is epic. When they're in White Castle and they stumble upon MPH, they say, Dude, Where's My Car? Where's, where's this car, dude? Which is a reference, obviously. Shout out to Dude, Where's My Car? Dude, Where's My Car? Um, big, big shout out. Big shout out. But so, yeah, that's a that's a few fun facts. There's even more, but those seem like the best ones to throw out there. And, dude, let's talk about our, our top five quotes or funny moments from this one. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll start it off. So, and, and fuck, man, this one had so many. Like, it was insane. But my number five, I started with just one one of my first laughs in the movie and so it was memorable to me oh, oh that was fucking funny but so it's when kumar is with fred willard doing his interview for medical school and he, kumar like takes a phone call in the middle of it talks about fucking smoking weed that weekend like doing it it's fucking hilarious he's dropping the f-bomb just literally takes it in the middle of the interview. Oh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> Harold's like, can you talk? Oh yeah, I can talk. Um, so Fred Willard looks like he goes, do you actually believe that after the way you've just behaved, I would even consider recommending you for admission? And Kumar goes, no, I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason I'm applying is so my dad will keep paying for my apartment. I really don't have a desire to go to med school. And then Fred Willard goes, but you have perfect MCAT scores. And then Kumar just goes, yeah, just because you're hung like a moose doesn't mean you got to do porn. I'm so glad you brought up the, the whole scene uh, because I also realized having watched this again that like the beginning of that phone call with Harold where Harold's telling him he can't do anything because he has work and he's just like, dude, fuck that shit. Like, I don't know how much, like I still say like, fuck that shit like that without even thinking about this movie 16 years later. And it's totally like slightly because of this, which is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really is. Love that whole scene. What uh? What's what's your number five? What kicks off the list? Uh, so my, my number five is, um, so they're riding the cheetah, and uh, you know Harold gets like smacked off the cheetah, and then he has like a like a I don't know hallucination dream whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. In that the, like the whole thing is great, but I love that you know he's kind of like almost like I don't know like a secret agent I guess you could say like in that little thing. And the cop that arrested him is there and he shoots the cop and the cop just goes, ah, bullets, my only weakness. (laughs) (laughs) And then later, and then later at the very end of that, just like they have the movie poster on the wall and it just says Maria Quesadilla. It just, it's just such a funny little thing that gets me every time. Maria Quesadilla, that is such a fuck. That's a fucking great one. Oh man. Love that. My number four is when our main man, Anthony Anderson, as the Burger Shack employee, has his little 
Oh, yes. His little speech to the boys where pretty much they pull up. They're asking where the White Castle is that used to be here. And it's not there anymore. They're debating, should we just get food here? And Anthony Anderson decides that he needs to to, to jump in here for a second. And, and this is his exact quote. And it's fucking just the way he delivers it is just unbelievable and one of the one of like one of the best moments from a cameo character in the in the trilogy i think but he just goes ding dong may i interject for a second he goes as a burger shack employee for the past three years if there's one thing i've learned it said if you're craving white castle the burgers here just don't cut it in fact just thinking about those tender little white castle burgers with those little itty bitty grilled onions that just explode in your mouth like flavor crystals every time you bite into one just makes me want to burn this motherfucker down. Come on, Pookie. Let's burn this motherfucker down. And then he just fucking loses it. And he's like, comes back and he goes, so you guys should maybe just suck it up and go to White Castle. And it Dude, is. Dude, I. What? What? I, I also love the beginning of that where they're like, he's telling him, yeah, like the White Castle is not there. And, and they're like, are you sure? And he's like, do I look like the type of brother that would be unsure about something like that? <laughs> Dude, the whole scene is gold. And then obviously ends it by telling him that they put like the special sauce in and that it's their it's their semen and it's so that they're it's a good thing that they're avoiding it tonight. But it's just like the whole fucking scene is gold. But just when he says the line when he's like <laughs> those itty bitty grilled onions that just explode in your mouth like flavor crystals, I lost it. And it's Yeah, that is that is the best. He's so fucking good. Big shout out kangaroo jack. Oh my God. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. So my number four is also related to a cameo we talked about, which is Jamie Kennedy. Uh, and this also contains lines that I find myself still saying to this day because they're so good. I won't. I won't read the entire thing, but like, yeah, Kumar pulls over to pee, and like Jamie Kennedy just walks out of nowhere and starts like peeing him, peeing like right next to him on the same exact bush. And Kumar's like questioning him about like why he's doing that. And, and like, yeah, so the back half is like, oh, so you get to pee on it and no one else does? Huh? And he's like, no, I just, he's like, is this your bush? Do you have a special bond with this bush? And he's like, no, I just thought, you king of the forest? And he's like, what? And he's like, fucking tree hugger? Is this your special bush? And Kumar just goes, all right, never mind. Forget it. I don't really feel like getting stabbed tonight. And he just like looks down and just goes, nice pubes. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that Kumar like goes back to the car, you know, and he like sits at the like driver's seat for a second and just like like visibly like shakes it off and just like acts like nothing happened. It's just absolute gold. Yeah, just like reflects on it for a second and then just like is like, all right, all right, let's move out. Let's move forward. And I really don't feel like getting stabbed tonight is definitely something that I catch myself saying <laughs> all the time. Uh, well, dude, that is uh, that four really leads in well to my number three because my number three is also about pubes, and it's about when Kumar is trimming his in Harold's room, and Harold walks back in, sees Kumar trimming his pubes in his room, and he's pretty much like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And <laughs> Kumar turns around, and he's like, "Hey, check it out! It's like a bonsai tree." And he's like, "Besides, man, it makes your Johnson totally look bigger." And then Harold realizes, he goes, "Are those my scissors?" I trim my nose with those, Kumar. Dude, I've been trimming my ass hair with these for the past six months. <laughs> but so good. It. And then he just like drops them and then stick in the floor. Yes. yes. 
Oh, such a good, such a, that's a scene that really fucking made me crack up the first time I saw it. And that for me just has not, not gotten old. My number three, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but is the entire saga of Rosenberg and Goldstein watching the gift? Oh, that's my number one. Okay. Oh so yeah, so I'll like, so there's basically three separate scenes, but like right when they walk in and they're like, Oh, come on, we're going to go to white castle. It's like, Sorry, kids. We ain't going nowhere. Watching the gift on HBO. Supposedly, Katie Holmes shows her titties in this movie. And then, like, a totally underrated line of Harold just goes, is that all you Jews ever think about? Tits? (laughs) (laughs) Katie Holmes is a nice, respectable, wholesome girl. And I'm going to see her boobs. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest fucking lines in the movie. (laughs) Dude, and then then when they cut back to it later, and he's like, (laughs) Goldstein just sitting on the couch, and he's like, this movie makes no sense. She's possessed. She's not possessed. That racket better be stacked. <laughs> She's like, oh, tits. Those aren't real. Yes, they are. <laughs> and like right in the middle of that, Rosenberg comes running in. He's just like, boobies, boobies, boobies. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the close out later where he's like, hey, how are Katie Holmes's tits? It's like, you know the Holocaust? Yeah. Picture the opposite of that. <laughs> The whole thing is hilarious. It's unreal. And also, like, right after the, and I'm going to see her boobs line, when Goldstein's like, the things I would eat out of her ass, you have no idea. <laughs> it's a completely Shit. disgusting and vulgar statement. So is I want to bang Britney Spears on the floor, but it's true. Touche. <laughs> and then they're just smoking weed out of a shofar. <laughs> after calling, after saying, what's the line? He's like, he's like I think that Kumar's a fag, a fag a lot. He's like, oh, yeah, they're totally gay for each other. You want to suck on this? <laughs> oh, my God. It's so two of, them, good. two of them are just fucking hilarious. And they're so good in every movie. Like, just the little bits that they get in each movie. They Like you said it before, they do so much with them. They really do. So, oh, my God. Amazing number three. That's my number one, people. And I'll give you my number two. My number two is when we have our main man, MPH, in the... The, the whole scene with MPH, but the part that I'll give you the quote from. So pretty much Harold goes, hey, Neil, you wouldn't happen to know how to get on the highway from here, would you? <laughs> MPH, dude, I don't even know where the fuck I am right now. I was at this party earlier tonight and some guy hooked me up with this incredible ex. Next thing I know, I'm being thrown out of a moving car. I've been tripping balls ever since. And then Kumar's like, that's crazy, dude. We've been having a pretty crazy night, too. We've just been driving around here looking for White Castle. We keep getting sidetracked. And then MPH is just like, yeah, dude, you fascinate me. Forget White Castle. Let's go get some pussy. And then Harold's like, what? (laughs) It's a fucking sausage fest in here, bros. Let's get some poontang. Then we'll go to White Castle. No, Neil, you don't understand. We've been craving these burgers all night. And Neil with the fucking line. Yeah, Yeah, I've been craving burgers, too. Fur burgers. Come on, dudes. Let's pick up some trim at a strip club. The doogie line always works on strippers. Lap dance. Dude, uh, so that's my number one. Oh, my God. Uh, amazing. And Dude, fur burgers just – it's still obviously hilarious today, but just slayed me when I saw this in the theaters. Absolutely killed me. Killed. And then, like, all the all the different, like, vagina, like, terms that MPH uses throughout the trilogy – and then obviously like so this is already like it's just so funny that like it's hard to like mph really like he was doing stuff and he i actually think he was filming cabaret when they first uh i mean was uh on on you know acting in cabaret 
when they first contacted him about this role, but like he really wasn't doing anything. So like the thought that like they right away wrote him into the script before ever even contacting him, just like on the top of their heads, like this is who we want is amazing. And then he delivers, obviously he's amazing and everybody loves him now, but then the happiest like accident maybe of the entire thing that like at this time he hadn't come out publicly as gay and then it just makes it 10 times funnier like after the fact it is the greatest thing ever i mean yes it makes it like you said it's so much funnier because he is gay and he's just being this absolute savage like fucking womanizer obviously like playing this whole character but it's like he could not be further from this in real life and it just makes it fucking even more hilarious and basically his entire role in how i met is a pg-13 version of this character yes it's like they just took this and just were like keep doing this for years i mean it totally it shot him from being like a child star into being like one of the more famous celebrities actors of of the next decade after this film you know and well deserved what a fucking hero what a fucking legend legend wait for it and i hope you're not lactose intolerant because the next part of this word is dairy so so fucking good so Um, let's see wait so that is your number that's my number two and that's your number one we did your one and we did my so my number two is the only thing left let's hear it my number two is when Kumar is breaking Harold out of jail and he smells the big bag of weed from the, the hippie. And then they have the whole scene that like goes through his relationship with the gigantic yes, bag of weed. Yes. It's such a funny idea. And then we're like, it's just funny where they take it. Like, so obviously like they fuck, but then he's like balancing the checkbook or something. And, she, and like the weedy just like brings him some coffee. And he's just like, like throws it just like learn how to make coffee bitch like it's just just, the angle that they like the the idea is hilarious but then the angle they take with it is even better just fucking gets me it's so so good dude that and and that was another like iconic scene from the first one especially when it came out it's like everyone talked about the fucking dream sequence he has with the big bag of weed dude and this movie is even today like watching it it's so original like all there's so many like big laughs Mm -hmm. and like there's nothing really like like it then or since and all of it is just fucking hilarious it's just a true like unique gem Mm -hmm. i agree man i totally agree and then they made us wait four years and they brought us harold and kumar escape from guantanamo bay which came out on april 25th 2008 it was this time not only written but also directed by john hurwitz and hayden schlossberg and this one had a ever so slightly bigger budget 12 million dollars made a lot more money at the box office for 38 million domestic 43 worldwide so just another five tacked on for international but still that they, they did well and of course i'm sure it did great on on demand and DVD and all that stuff because these these types of films do really well in that way. But uh, we get our two heroes back, we get MPH back, and they bring in they bring in a few new faces. Well, we also get 
Maria back in this one, although shortly, as we'll get to. But yeah, there's a bunch of characters in this. Rob Corddry is probably like the biggest uh, regular addition, although we'll get into him. I'm I'm not too big on his character personally. But then there's there's a bunch of cameos, a uh, bunch of cameos throughout that we'll talk about. I'd say like maybe the one other regular character is, is Daniil. Well, at that time, Daniil Harris, now known as Daniil Ackles, who plays Vanessa, who's Kumar's love interest, as we'll come to find out. But she was like one of the leads, not one of the leads, but she was a very regular character on One Tree Hill. And she's been in some other stuff. Um, Big shout out, Fired Up, which I rewatched this week. Wow. Yes. Kind of underrated. It's, it's a fun movie. Hey, it's. I, I'd have to take a look at it. I'd have, I can't. I can't comment. I can't <laughs> comment. <laughs> you just can't comment. Uh, Such a controversial take and fired up uh, a movie that no one's thought about in twelve years. Literally, you stalked me in my tracks right there. Um, but yeah, you want you want to give a quick summary of this before we dive deeper into it. Yeah. So as as Justin mentioned, uh, this sequel literally starts from exactly the moment uh, that the first one ends. Uh, so the boys are going to Amsterdam to meet Maria. Well, surprise Maria. Um, as you may expect, Kumar brings a bong on the plane. Um, and they get caught with the bong. And basically, they get mistaken for terrorists uh, and brought to Guantanamo Bay. So they escape Guantanamo Bay and they cross back over to uh, Miami, where they have a friend who uh, gives them a car. And their plan is they're going to drive to... Uh, Texas, because Kumar's ex, uh, Daniil Ackles, uh, her uh, fiance is like big in the government. So they think if they meet him, then he can like help them explain that like they're not terrorists and it was this whole big misunderstanding. So they are driving to Texas. Uh, They end up ditching their car in Alabama and uh, well, they they hang out with some rednecks for a bit. They escape from the Klan. Um, and then they kind of run and they find a road uh, and they hitch a little bit. And sure enough, who picks them up? But MPH, who's back. Uh, he smuggles them into uh, Texas and they make their way to uh, the, the character's name is Colton uh, and Daniil uh, Harris's character, Vanessa. Uh, they make their way to Colton and Vanessa's. Uh, Colton pretends to help them, but actually just like gets them arrested again. Uh, so flying back to Guantanamo Bay, they jump out of the plane and land in George W. Bush's house, who kind of clears the air and they're fine. Obviously, he can like pardon them, takes them to Colton and Vanessa's wedding. And Kumar, um, you know, talks about how Colton was a dick and like tried to get them arrested, wins back Vanessa. And then Harold, Vanessa and Kumar go to Amsterdam, meet up with Maria and and everything is good. And they just have a hell of a time in Amsterdam. Hell of a time. And then it ends. And then it ends. That, that's basic, That's it. So this one is, yeah, has another kind of love angle, this time for Kumar. Um, but yeah, we, we've talked about it. But I just love that this one, it delivers on the sequel that we were promised at the end of the first one, but takes it in a completely new direction, which I thought was genius. Yeah, it's it's funny, like, and, and, and Mike and I had talked about this already, but when we first both saw this, we really didn't like this movie. Um, 
I can I can say on my behalf, like my for myself, I saw it. I thought it was so fucking over the top. I wasn't laughing at all. I th- I thought it was just I didn't think it was good at all. And it's really funny what over a decade will do to you and do to your opinion because I think now that all three are out and it's been a long time and you're sort of going back just having a fun time with them. I think I really underappreciated this when it came when it initially came out. I I don't really like Rob Corddry's character. I do still think that he's a little bit too much, but but I got some laughs out of him to be honest on this watch. I just think they're outside of his character. There are some big fucking laughs in this film. And again, I love that it picks up like, you know, we had both said right where White Castle leaves off. Um, I like the, the route they go with it. I love how it all comes together with the George Bush thing. And I, I think the ending's amazing where they go over to, you know, where they, they fucking make it to Amsterdam. That's where they were going to get at the end of the first movie. They do end up making it there. And yeah, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised watching this, this time, Mike. So it definitely grew on me, well, the second time that I rewatched it, if that makes sense. But it did, yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're saying the same thing, but the racially based jokes of Rob Corddry are not funny at all. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Like, I think they were trying to be edgy. I agree. But like, it's the stupidest, like, and, and it's what's crazy is that like, Okay, so, you know, uh, Harold is is a Korean guy and his parents are in the movie, right? So it's funny that like in the beginning when they think they're terrorists, they're like, oh, I think he's Korean. He's like, oh, oh man, it's, it's North Koreans and Al-Qaeda working together. Like that he like mistakes it for like North Korea, I think is like a pretty funny like sort of racial humor, let's say. But then like the whole scene with Ed Helms where like they can't translate because they're talking English is just like, it's just stupid. Like, I don't, I don't think it's funny at all. I don't really get it. No, me either. And the same with like, you know, they're in Alabama and they run across like the sort of like a whole group of like black guys that are meant to be looking like sort of hard, like playing basketball and they like run from them and they crash the car. Like, but then they're just trying to help them. Like that's, that's to me, that's pretty funny. Like it's a funny like play on like a racial stereotype. Mm-hmm. And then Rob Cordy just dumping out grape soda is like, it's dumb. I don't know. It's just like it's like fifth grade. Like it's really bizarre. Like it's I don't I don't really understand it at all. And they do that a few times where it's just like this is not clever or funny or like and it's not because I'm afraid to make racial jokes. It's just not good. I totally agree. And I mean they do it a ton in the first movie, but it's funny because it's smart every time. And Yeah, exactly. And this, yeah, it doesn't come across as funny in any of his scenes. I'd say the only time I even got a laugh was the scene with Goldstein, <laughs> Goldstein and Rosenberg, just because they sort of make it funny at the end, because he pretty much he pours all these like pennies on the fucking table in the interrogation room. And then at the end, it's like they're, they, they're like scooping them up. And it's like I got a little yeah. laugh out of that because they're just funny. Those guys. But I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, they're the ones that actually make it funny because they're like pretending to be like agitated by it. And he's also wearing a shirt that says "I Heart Smegma," which is absolutely hilarious. Oh my like, god! It's I just know. the whole scene is funny. 
it's but yeah so but then besides that like that it soured me on it for a while but like watching it in retrospect and kind of looking away from those scenes there are some like huge laughs in this huge and i mean dude should we just i mean we can talk about some other stuff but should we just do the top five quotes and funny moments now and we can talk about a little bit more yeah shit that we want to do after you want to start this one off uh yeah so my number five is uh so they go with nph you know he's taking them to texas but he really takes them to like a, a brothel in texas uh instead of taking them where they need to go and obviously like kumar is down harold is like not down the, the whole scene is actually pretty funny but uh when kumar is with the two prostitutes in his room and he's just like you're benevolent human beings and they're like yeah we get that a lot and he's like you know what that means benevolent and she's like yeah i do actually and he's like oh what he's like it means we're gonna fuck you so hard your dick's gonna be sore for two weeks <laughs> and he just goes because that is exactly exactly what it means <laughs> it's, just, it's just so good i would argue personally that mph in this film is my favorite mph of the three films like i wow okay we'll have to talk about we'll it. talk about that but yeah he fucking crushes but in my number five is a small line but just one that made me fucking die laughing so i i just had to include it is when Goldstein is talking to Kumar on the phone and he's like, the other night I ended up at that Asian party and I stooped Cindy Kim, (laughs) which if you remember, (laughs) Cindy Kim is like the really nice like girl at college that like is really into Harold. And I guess that Goldstein went over there and he, he fucking gave it to her and Kumar goes, shut the fuck up. Are you serious? And he goes, yeah, man, she even gave me a Blumpkin. He goes, what's a Blumpkin? It's when a girl gives you a head while you're sitting on the toilet taking a shit. <laughs> Dude, and then, <laughs> and then right after that, like Rosenberg comes up to him and he's like, oh, did you go? He said we were going to cross swords. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. Love that scene. Dude, my number four is also like kind of a low key line, but it, it, it just gets me every time. So they're in Alabama. Uh, they've just run, they've crashed their car. They've run from like the group of guys playing basketball and they're, yeah, they're just like in the Alabama, like forest. And they're like, Oh dude, a deer. And Kumar's just like, look how cute this deer is, dude. Not like those asshole deer in New Jersey. (laughs) And dude, I just love that because it's like a surprisingly like funny, like almost stand up level, like observation. Like when you're in like nature and you see deer, you're like, oh wow, this is great. But like where we're from, and like in the in the Midwest too, but like in the Northeast, everybody fucking hates deer. Like hates. they just hit you in the car and they just hate them so fucking much. <laughs> Absolutely hates. Such that's dude. That's such a funny little underrated line. But yeah, and then of course shoot. Then then of course the guy shoots the deer and like uh, yeah. shoots the deer. Fucking Christ. Um, so my number four is when the boys initially get out of Guantanamo Bay, they get to Florida and they go see their old college buddy Raza and they get there and like everyone, all the girls have tops on, but all their vaginas are out. And Kumar is like, what's up with this party? And Raza is like, what do you mean? 
And then Harold goes, there's exposed vagina all over your house. Raza, oh, yeah, that was my idea. I don't know about you guys. He's like, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick of all the hype over topless. And then Harold, really? I always like topless. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm starting the bottomless trend. Hence the bottomless party. And just like the whole fucking scene, I just found pretty funny. And then he gets up out of like the hot tub he's sitting in and he just has the most masses, massive bush of all time. And your bush looks like Osama bin Laden. Dude. And then, uh, yeah. Then like the girl like gets out of the like hot tub and tries to take off her top. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Amazing. I, I love that. And I also, it's not in my top uh, and it probably won't be in yours either. But I also love that that part just cues up like uh, where they have to take out their own dicks and it's just playing my dick in the background. Yes, yes. They're like swinging their dicks and then they get in the car and they have the outrageous shirts. And then he's like, well, this car is cool. And Harold's like, yeah, we're just on the run driving this like yellow convertible with the top down dressed like assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good scene. Uh, so my number three is uh we'll we'll have to talk about it more really but my number three is the resurgence of mph and it's really like just in the car when they first meet him there's a whole there's like a whole a whole bunch of lines but really like the the best ones are where he's talking about tashanda and he's like point is boys even though i loved having having sex with some hot random trim a day hasn't gone by where i haven't thought of tashanda Every time I see a bag of Hershey Kisses, my balls get so wet. <laughs> then he twists open the Jack Daniels and just takes a swig. Here's to you, Tashanda. I hope yeah, you kept and the then baby. The, the other part of that, he's just like, it's like, let me be clear. There's nothing on the planet that I love more than a hot new pussy. Kamar's just like, sure. It's like, nothing. What does the PH stand for at MPH? And I was just like, <laughs> Patrick Harris? And he's like, no, common mistake. Poon handler. <laughs> he has so many great lines, but like that whole exchange where they first meet him is legendary. So that that's my number one. Okay. Um, and I just have to throw out just one more line about it when he started yeah, the Tashanda thing, and he's just like, "I'll never forget her. Her name was Tashanda. She was Whoopi Goldberg's stand-in. Her skin was so soft, her lips so sweet. She had these tiny little Hershey kiss nipples." You just wanted to suck on all night long. And I just, I love the, just the way he's saying it is like with such a fondness in the air. It really is great. Yeah. And then he just like, he's like, and like he starts drinking beers and he's got shrooms and he's got like the Jack Daniels. Like it just leads to like more funny scenes with him later. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Okay. My number three is the whole scene where they're with George W. Bush. Um, it's just out fucking rageous. And I mean, there's so many things from just when they start and them running from Dick Cheney because Bush is like scared of him. And then pretty much they get to talking and, and the quotes, the quote that I wrote down was when Kumar's like, so you get high and you put other people who smoke weed in jail and Bush is like, duh. That's so hypocritical. Oh, yeah? Well, let me ask you something, Kumar. Do you like giving handjobs? No, sir. Do you like getting handjobs? Uh, yeah. 
yeah, well, that makes you a fucking hypocritizer too. So shut the fuck up. Now smoke my weed. Yeah, the the, the bush is just it. It. I admit that it was funnier at the time. Like you kind of had to be there. Like if you didn't grow up with Bush as a president, it might not be as funny. But it's, totally, it's a big move for sure. Yeah, if if you did grow up through that time, it's really fucking funny. All right, so my number two is the return of Weedy, which is just the the sex scene uh, with Vanessa and him, which is like, it's borderline like Team America. Where it just like gets outrageous and it goes on for so long. And at the end, they just have Weedy where they've just like cut a hole and like put this vagina there. And and she's just like fingering this bag of weed. It just, I love that it's like returns. There's so many good callbacks in this, but I just love that one. And they take it to like another, like even more ridiculous place. Yeah, that that callback is fucking outrageous. Um, My number two is another MPH moment which is when they get to the checkpoint that Ron Fox is waiting at and MPH had just eaten all of the mushrooms that he has left in the car. <laughs> and it's it's all like dramatic, like you're waiting. MPH is sort of scared. The boys are under the cum-covered the cum blanket and Ron Fox just puts his head down at the passenger side window and he just goes, Neil. Patrick Harris. This is actually the funniest thing that Ron Fox does the whole movie, this whole interaction, I think. But MPH just goes, yo. And then Ron goes, it's an honor to meet you, sir. Yeah, I would imagine so. Then <laughs> I'm sure you get this all the time, but uh, your part in Starship Troopers truly, truly changed my life. MPH is like, how? And he goes, well, he goes, well, no one thought the war against the arachnids of Clandathia could be won, but you held the starship so those fucks could be destroyed. A lot of people think the war on terrorism is a war that can't be won. That's why I joined the Department of Homeland Security, my friend. Two words, starship fucking troopers. And then he puts up like the rock on sign. And all this time, MPH is just tripping fucking balls. And a rainbow unicorn is just approaching with which MPH sees with himself riding the unicorn. And he like is hearing himself speak. He's like, if you want to know the secret of being, you will come with us. And then M- the actual MPH turns to Ron and he goes, please, I, I, I really need to go. And Ron goes, of course, I'm so sorry to bother you. You move along. And then. MPH and is just drug addled haze. He's looking at himself on the unicorn. He's as the unicorn's going away into like a rainbow portal. And he goes, bye, I love you. And Ron like quickly puts his head back down to the window, looks like alarmed. And he just goes, I love you too, Mr. Harris. And MPH is like, what the fuck? And drives away. <laughs> yeah. And just to be clear, Ron Fox is uh, Rob Corddry's character. Yeah, Rob Corddry's character. Oh man, I fucking love that scene. That yeah, that is a great one. And then they go, and then like right away, they're just like, "I'm going to a whorehouse, and I'm gonna get my yeah, fuck I'm gonna on. get my fuck on." <laughs> oh god! All right, my number one is a, it's a really tiny moment, but it got a huge, huge laugh in the theater, and just yeah, completely killed me when I watched it, which is. Uh, 
the flashback to when Vanessa and Kumar first met oh in college. God. Oh, and, my God. And, and uh, she's introducing him to weed uh, with, with uh, 311 in the my background. Stony my stony baby. I'm so glad that you noticed that. Um, and then they're just like cut to like the background behind them and it's Harold in college and he's just full on emo. <laughs> it just absolutely fucking kills me. And everybody burst out laughing. Like one of the biggest laughs for such a tiny moment in the movie it just kills me. Dude, I cannot tell you how much I love that you picked that because I was gonna include that on my list for obviously that, but also just because one of my favorite bands of all time is 311, and I just love that scene with my Stony Baby playing. But there, it is like the most perfect ending to a flashback. Just fucking Absolutely. emo Harold. Fucking amazing. Such a, also, just like, yeah, just so good at the time. Like, it's just, and he nails the look of how, like, how everybody looked back then. It's just fucking hilarious. Oh my God, dude. What a fucking part to bring up um amazing amazing number one and we have to say something that we haven't mentioned yet about this film at first you you think mph dies and you know he gets fu- it, it literally broke my heart when i was watching this film and i think that's actually another thing when i initially saw it i fucking hated it but then of course if you stay through the credits you find out at the very end that MPH did not in fact die, but he lives. And it's just so amazing at the end when he just, you just see him. It's like, and he like gets a motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, that is him, him at the, the brothel is just ridiculous where he just, he, he brands the girl. Dude brands the girl. Also that fucking, I hold on. I have it written down the line that he says, um, to to tits hemingway i'm gonna rock out with my cock out you're gonna jam out with your clam out it's gonna be magical dude i'm I'm so glad you brought up tits hemingway i i I want i wanted to talk more about her but really just the exchange that they have where he's like what's your name she's like tits hemingway it's like why do they call you that she's like because i have huge tits my favorite book is a movable fist (laughs) it's just hilarious Dude, also pour one out for Tits Hemingway. Apparently, she's no longer with no. us. So very sad. Oh man, pour one out for. Her. I went down the Tits Hemingway rabbit hole. Schwicky. Legend. Dude, can we also just say how fucking great the ending to this film is? Like when they go to Amsterdam, they find Maria, and just like I love the ending where Kumar and Vanessa walk in, meet her, and Kumar just goes. He's like, ladies and Roldy, how would you like to get really fucking high since we're in Amsterdam? And then they're just like, they're all in, film ends, and then the end credits are them just smoking while going around Amsterdam. It's just, and they actually filmed it there. It's just awesome. Dude, and also uh, when they're there, yeah, so they're clearly in Amsterdam, which is great. I'm, I'm a city that I love, and I know that you've been there as well. Yes. And big shout out to, big shout out to Netherlands on your behalf. Yeah, I'm half Dutch, uh, everyone, so... But uh, one thing, I actually didn't really see this reported, but I noticed it from the IMDb credits. So Hurwitz and Sloshberg, John Hurwitz and Hayden Sloshberg, the, the writers, uh, directors of this movie, are 
the two people in the costume that you think are Harold and Kumar that aren't that like kind of like grab like the girl's boobs and stuff at the very end in like the Amsterdam montage. Oh my God. Yeah. Such a funny little thing. Such a funny little thing. I totally agree. It's. Oh, I just love that whole. The whole ending. Dude, and we, we talked about it a lot, but it's actually funny because I so you know that I didn't see American Reunion for a long time until I watched it with you a few years ago. Yes. And realized the error of my ways. Because in that movie it's great because they really do like call back to everything. And this movie, they also like do a, a great job of calling back to almost everything in the first movie. There's a few that they have to like touch on in the third, but like we, we talked about obviously MPH is the big one, but even in the beginning, the very, very beginning where Harold's in the shower and uh, like Kumar just takes like a massive shit and then like Harold opens it up and Kumar's just like nice pubes. Like it's just, it's just such a funny little callback. Totally. And like, I know. Yeah. Like right. And right at the beginning too. It- and Kumar says, oh, man, that was so fucking extreme. Like when they jump out of the airplane. <laughs> yes, yes. I fucking love that callback. And, dude, another one that's like I didn't remember at all is when they're running through, like running out of Guantanamo Bay. And they're just like running and they eventually meet up with like the Cubans that are going to Florida. He's just like, watch out for cheetahs. This is cheetah turf. <laughs> <laughs> And dude, also we have to call out cock meat sandwiches. Cock meat sandwiches. Which isn't a callback, but they introduce in this film and, and they call it back in the third film, but it's just fucking great. Um, yeah, and, and Bush is great with that. He's like, oh man, you didn't eat those cock meat sandwiches, did you? <laughs> He's like, oh man, those cock meat sandwiches, those are my favorite. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Oh, it's so good. And dude, I got to say, like about, you know, the Hayden Schlossberg and, and John Hurwitz, they they really I'm a big fan of these guys like so the only things they've ever done writing and directing wise is they wrote all three Harold and Kumars they wrote American Reunion and they've written Cobra the all the episodes of Cobra Kai um, yeah and they've directed uh they've directed Guantanamo Bay they don't end up directing so they didn't direct the first one as you guys know they didn't end up directing the third one at the last second because they were offered American reunion. And that was like a dream job for them. So they had to let go of directing, but they still had written the third one and helped a lot on it. But, uh, but yeah, they've only directed Guantanamo Bay American reunion. And then uh, eight episodes of Cobra Kai, their next project very excited about they are writing and directing American Pie 5. Absolutely incredible. And Love that. And can I tell you what's happening in American Pie 5, Mike? Tell us. So it's going to be an American vacation with Jim and the boys in Vegas. So fucking legend. And if you guys have listened to one of the other podcasts, I do not like The Hangover. So I feel like, at least for me, <laughs> this is like one of my favorite comedy series going to vegas this this is the hangover i always wanted let's fucking go still one of the hottest takes ever in the history of the podcast and probably will be for a long time but 
yeah, I mean, there's, you can't go wrong there. So, no, no. And, and John Cho, his minor role, well, minor in terms of time on screen, not of significance, in the American Pie franchise and How I Met Your Mother, two of the greatest small roles ever. ever. By any actor. Absolutely incredible. Kobe Lobster. Oh, fucking God. Absolute fucking legend. Um, all right. I'm going to give just a few fun facts from this one, and then let's move on to, to number three. But, uh, okay. So, the mask. When, when, they're, when they're pulling stuff out of, like, MPH's bag after he's dead, the mask that Harold pulls out is one of the Slipknot masks from the band Slipknot. Um which is pretty cool little little thing. So Warner Bros, their distribution president, Dan Fellman, he said back in 2008 that Guantanamo Bay was actually originally produced as a straight-to-video movie. And then they decided last second to release it theatrically, which I think is really interesting because this is the one that did the most business at the box office. So I think they would have made a big mistake not to release it in theaters. Um then oh this is a fun fun one so the poem that kumar reads out to vanessa at the end and also like the one that he had been sort of working on when she first meets him the square root of three um which is a parody of joyce kilmer's poem trees uh it was written by a classmate of theirs back in the day when all three went to Randolph High School in New Jersey, this guy David Feinberg, and they included it in the film, which is a pretty awesome thing to include a friend's poem as like sort of like a bit of the centerpiece of your film. And Harold Lee is also like based on a friend of theirs, like the kind of genesis of the movie. Yes, yes. Um. All right, a couple, a couple more to quickly throw out. So Colton Graham, that's Vanessa's fiance in the film. So co- this is totally by coincidence, but an actor named Colton Graham. Graham was spelled G-R-A-M-M instead of G-R-A-H-A-M, like in the film. But he plays one of the groomsmen at the wedding that never ends up happening. Sort of crazy. Um, and then the last one I'll throw out is... The actor that plays Harold's father, Clyde Kusatsu, he also played John Cho's father in an episode of House. Love that. Which is crazy. Um, I believe the episode was called Love Hurts. But yeah, that's all I've got for fun facts. You got any more, Mike, or should we jump on to uh, number three? Let's do it. Let's go number three. I love it. So number three. It's called a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. It was filmed in three, you know, 3D. They had it released in 3D in theaters. Um, came out November fourth, two thousand eleven. Again, like we've said, written by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. This one was directed by Todd Strauss Schulson, um, and this one had a little bit bigger budget. Again, nineteen million dollars made a little bit less, thirty five million at the box office. Added a, another million internationally. And again, I'm sure this one did well on video. These these movies always do. But this brought back everyone that we care about. You know, we've got John Cho, Cal Penn. We have MPH in there. 
it brought back the two the two ladies maria and vanessa daniel ackles and paula garces um and we have some fucking great cameos in this but i guess i'll just shout out before mike gives the uh little intro the regular character in this like not a cameo actually a character throughout the film that just is unbelievable in this is danny trejo playing maria's dad in this and i'll leave it to mike from here okay yeah so quick summary of this one so it's now several years in the future um and harold and kumar haven't really talked in a few years kumar is still kind of a stoner uh, and harold has has moved like to the suburbs with the house uh with maria and they're uh planning to have kids uh it's christmas time now this is a christmas movie so a package arrives at Kumar's apartment where Harold used to live for Harold. So he decides to bring it out um, to Harold in the suburbs. Uh, it ends up being a, a massive joint, uh, which burns down the Christmas tree that Harold is supposed to be decorating to impress uh, his father-in-law, who's, who's Danny Trejo, as uh, Justin mentioned. So basically they need to get a Christmas tree to replace it. Uh, Kumar tries to make amends by buying the tree uh, that Harold had tried to reserve, actually. Uh, but then he crashes and it blows up the tree. So, again, they need to get a tree. Kumar's kind of new buddy in this one is a character named Adrian, who's played by Amir Blumenfeld. So he is actually on his way into the city to uh, like bang this girl, this virgin named Mary. Uh, I see what they did there. And he says, oh, I can get that in the Christmas tree. So they go to that place. Uh, it turns out that the, the party is held at this mobster's house. So they have to run away from that. Um, they're, they do some drugs at that party, so they're tripping. They meet Goldberg and Rosenstein briefly, which is hilarious. Um, they plan to steal a tree from a church, but they have to hide because Maria is there. Um, they get pulled into uh, a play, which is going on, sort of a rehearsal starring MPH. So that's how they, they bring NPH back into the fold. NPH gives them a tree um, because he can, obviously. Um, they get attacked by the mobsters. Uh, they are then saved by uh, Wafflebot, who's like the this year's like hot Christmas toy, if, that, if you want to say that. Um, they are then brought home by Santa, unfortunately without a tree. Um, but Harold still kind of makes amends with Danny Trejo. Um, Vanessa ends up being pregnant. A tree kind of appears um, randomly out of nowhere. Um, Harold and Kumar have, have made up, and Kumar also makes up with with Vanessa in in the process. So once again, everything is kind of restored as it should be. It's a lovely summary. Thanks, Mike. I my first first thought on this movie is that it's kind of strange and kind of great that the third movie in a trilogy is actually a Christmas movie. Agreed. I I can't, I can't really think of anything else where that happens. I mean, I'm a big, big Christmas guy. It's my favorite holiday. Um, so it just it just warms my heart. Yeah, I can't think of another movie in a trilogy where they just randomly make it a Christmas movie. And I mean, just it's just starting off with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's just wonderful. Just wonderful. And it it kind of works as a Christmas movie. Like it's a little bit sweeter. Like it's it's it kind of works. Like almost as a standalone movie. Like I could see watching this around Christmas time. Same. I think it's fucking dude. It's great. There's like so many. Th I mean, Harold's house, how it's decorated, just gives you all the Christmas feels. 
you've got obviously you've got fake Santa at the beginning, Pat and Oswald selling all the all the fucking holiday themed weed. Chris, the Christmas themed weed. Yeah. You've got real Santa at the end who's fucking awesome and it's like sort of heartwarming with the whole, you know, he had given Harold the joint because he wanted them to come together and it it's it is a great it's a good little Christmas movie. The whole thing with Trejo and the tree is just fucking hilarious. Um it's it's good, man. And and what a fucking bunch of cameos in this one, right? For sure, yeah. So we mentioned Danny Trejo. You just mentioned Patton Oswalt. Uh yeah, so since since Harold and Kumar have each kind of grown apart, they now have like a new friend each, if that makes sense. So I mentioned Amir Blumenfeld for uh Kumar Harold's friend is is Thomas Lennon from uh, Reno Nine One One. Um, there is a brief cameo by Jake Johnson from A New Girl yes. as Jesus. Uh, the RZA is in it. Um, Brett Gelman is briefly in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the oh, so you. What's funny about this is you mentioned also like the the actual Santa in the end. So. Just for kicks, I was looking because Danny Trejo has been in a million things, mm-hmm. obviously. 388 credits on IMDb. Dear Lord. Santa, played by Richard Riley, 407 credits, bro. Somehow he's got more than Danny Trejo. Holy shit. And big shout out as the grandpa and Grounded for Life. See our episode of Terriers. But yeah, uh, just a, a 407 credits. If you can out act at least numerically danny trejo you've done some shit agreed and you've got what a i mean he fucking is a fucking legend also i love how with having the rizza they like talk about wu-tang clan in the movie which is great um yeah. and then you also have who else oh yeah um how do you say his name uh Elias Codius. I, I, I never know how to say it. Oh, yeah. The guy from Shooter and Chicago PD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he plays Sergey, uh, Katzoff, yeah. the big mob guy. Um, oh, man. Yeah, you have a ton of fucking great people to pop up in this. Uh, there might be one or two more, but that that's 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 most of them. Um, oh, dude, David Berta, MPH's real-life husband. Amazing. Who also, who also is credited as David Brukta and not himself. Yes, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so great cameos, and I think you know what? Let's let's do our top five scenes again, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay, uh, I'm first this time. You, I'm like, who did go first last time? It was, I think this time it's me. Okay. Got um. So, oh my God. Okay. So my number five for this one is when, and part of it is just because how much it warms my heart, but all, but part of it's the whole, the funny parts of it. But when they see Goldstein and Rosenberg, and they all go to White Castle together, and they say, "Oh, it still hits the spot." And they they have a whole little fucking scene there, and I don't really need to go into most of the details. But the my the part that's hilarious is so Goldstein talks about how he isn't Jewish anymore because he converted to Catholicism with his wife, 
and just some of the comments he makes are so fucking funny. He's just like, I make some bad investments. I don't even care. And <laughs> just <laughs> at the very end, there's like a comment that Goldstein makes about the change. And Rosenberg is just so excited that he's still got some Jew in him. And it's just the greatest. Yeah, I love that. He's like, I know how to tie knots on fishing nets <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's just, oh, it's yeah. just like, your name is Seth Goldstein. You're still Jewish. <laughs> yeah it's great oh, i god i just love that they make it into the movie they're such a good they're, they're so good they're together so too. good together so my number five is uh the return of kenneth park class of 2004 bobby lee who's now like harold's assistant and he's i mean he has like an epic scene like where he takes like he gets like egged like ridiculously which is hilarious but he, it's just like the movie is set during like the Occupy movement. And he's just like, do they really think we care what poor people think? It's just, it's just like so mean. He's just hilarious. Oh my God. So good. So good. Um, okay. My number four is... I just love, I know I mentioned it slightly when we were just started talking about the movie. Um, so I love the ending scene where Santa is talking to the boys. San, you know, Santa takes them back to Harold's house and it turns out that Santa gave Harold the massive joint because it was his way of bringing Harold and Kumar back together. And I love, I love the line where he's like, where santa looks at harold and he's like all right no more jerking off into a sock filled with baby powder haha ha, i'm just teasing you i do it too <laughs> that's great oh i love that one uh so my number four is yeah so amir is this is a very beginning amir is trying to get kumar to come with him to this girl's house uh, for like this party in the city and Kumar just goes no can't do man I have to stay here and smoke this weed otherwise I won't get high <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing um okay my number three so I'll, I'll just say this up front now my number two and number three both sort of pull from a long scene with MPH my number three I decided not to make them one because I felt like they were totally different parts but my number three is after MPH has had a bit of a situation first with, with David Bertka and then with this girl that comes into the room, he discovers that Harold and Kumar are there. And first of all, he says their name. He says Harold's name wrong again, which is similar to the second film, which I just loved, um, or maybe even all the films. But um so Harold goes, you still haven't explained the gay thing. And Kumar's like, you're not gay, motherfucker. And Harold's like, at all. And MPH goes, yeah, that's something us magicians like to call misdirection. Just a little something I picked up from my man Clay Aiken. And Kumar's like, what? Clay Aiken's not gay. Neil Patrick Harris, are you kidding me? Clay's the biggest coos hound I know. That guy gets mad gash. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Oh. Yeah, so my number two is like the resurgence of NPA and being gay. Oh, my God. Uh, well, you're number three. I'll, yeah, I'll, say, I'll save one more quote for that. So my number three, though, is 
uh, yeah, where they just get drugged at the party and then they walk outside and it's all claymation. <laughs> Dude, that part's fucking amazing. It's just such a, you know, it just like gives you that like old school, like children's like Christmas movie feel, but it's just like a funny way of like depicting the world where they're just like tripping balls and he just like rips out his dick. Like it's just, it's just great. Dude, I, I don't have that on my list, but like if I was just saying straight up, like favorite scenes in the movie, like not even including humor, that's, that's there for me. It's so fucking good. Um, and then obviously leads them to, to Goldstein Rosenberg, which is amazing. The key to the film. Amazing. Um, okay. My number two, which it sounds like Mike and me can both pull from this a little bit. Cause I think we have like the same overall scene. So the, yeah, the resurgence of MPH fucking he's at, first of all, just, this isn't even hip, but like when he, when he first shows up, like, on stage and he like wipes his mouth after like all the girls fucking had sort of had like their legs open and then closing and like this whole dance fucking hilarious little tidbit. But when they go back down to backstage and he's with David Burke, they're together, they get back into the dressing room and MPH sort of gets pissed. And he's like, what did I tell you about using tongue? And David's like, you told me to make it realistic. And then MPH goes, yeah, realistic, not fucking gay as shit. And fucking this all leads to a whole funny banter between the two of them. But pretty much when they were on stage, MPH had invited this girl in on stage to go run lines with him in his dressing room. So, okay, there's all a front. He uses it essentially to get pussy. And... When the girl comes in, I just lose it when he's just like every when he's like, oh, yeah, you should take your clothes off. Like, I'll give you a massage. And he's like, you know, just two girlfriends in here. And just like every time he does the girlfriends thing, I just fucking lose it. And then when the girl ends up being like, what the fuck? And she's like, I thought you were gay. And the this line is just too fucking much when he just goes, he goes, I am gay, gay for that pussy. Yeah, that that's the line that gets that's me. The line. It's just so good. And really just the whole the whole idea like we mentioned it in the first one that the fact that he wasn't like openly out at that time is hilarious watching it back, but then obviously he is by the time of the third movie. And instead of like changing it up, they just double down. They're like in like it's again it's like him in real life just pretending to be gay. It's it's one of the funnier parts of this whole thing. Oh my god. It's so fucking good mph just throughout the trilogy has just been the 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 fucking he steals every fucking scene he's in yeah and we i mean we might as well talk about it here because that's my number two as well but when he explains how he was able to survive like getting shot and they just have the whole scene where he's in heaven and then uh like jesus is just like mad that he's taking all his girls and like sends them back it's just a hilarious explanation. It's too fucking good, honestly. It's unbelievable. Um, okay. Number one. My number one is when the boys are at the party. And the little kid who's the, the younger brother of Mary challenges them to beer pong. Oh my gosh. And it honestly one of my favorite moments of the entire trilogy just cuz I fucking love beer pong. And 
or you know as kumar would say beirut but i just fucking love it i love the whole scene as a whole this party these guys are there anyways the line when the kid is pretty much like oh what you've never heard of beer pong or whatever and kumar just snaps back at him and he's just like oh no no we've heard of it dude yeah yeah except in our day it was called beirut and we didn't have the rollback rule like you pussies have today (laughs) he just makes like a little bit more of like a speech about it that's fucking hilarious they play beer pong against the the this fucking kid and the end of the game is just so absolutely legendary harold just does this bounce shot where he just bounces the ball off of all these objects in the room so outrageous and like it sort of reminded me of a little bit when mike and i were in college because we would have a ridiculous rule where we would try to like bounce it off the wall or like off the ceiling rather than just do like the regular bounce and in this he literally bounces it off of all these things in the room it goes into the cup they win it's fucking glorious and it just warms my fucking heart in every way. Love it. Dude, I love the beginning of that shot too, where Kumar's like hyping him up and Harold just turns away from the table and he's just like holding up the ball and he's just like, hello. Old oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, just, just for the record, for the sake of the podcast, you're a beer pong guy, right? I'm a, I'm a Beirut guy. I'm a beer guy. pong guy. I like, I call it beer okay. pong. I always have. And yeah, you're a Beirut guy. Look, I don't have a big problem if you want to call it Beirut, but I just fucking, I love the name beer pong. I just love it. It's also a little bit sus that the kid, he bounces and he only gets one cup for that. At, like right before. Yeah, that shot. was a little bit suspect. It's, that's anyway. But yeah, it's just a hilarious scene. It's like that. John, John and Hayden. Are you guys, uh, you guys, do you guys actually play beer pong in real life? You're fucking only it's taking one cup away in the fucking script with a, with a bounce shot. Anyway, and and I will say, you know, at thirty years old, which is like more or less like how old they are in the movie, like still now, like if I walk in anywhere and see people playing root, I'm just like, yeah, it just it just warms your heart. That's that's just it. It just you're just like, yes, I want to play. It's just the game of my youth. <laughs> so legend. So legend. Um. All right. So my number one is uh, is also playing it up for the Christmas. But just the fact that they recreate like the main, like most recognizable moment of Christmas story, but with his dick, <laughs> it's it's I, I I'm surprised that that hasn't been done before, dude. And now like Christmas story, which is on 24 hours a day, that time of year, it'll never be the it'll same. It'll never be the same. And they they do like show the scene earlier in the movie. It's just like it's like silly and it fits the. It fits something that would happen in the trilogy perfectly, but like the connection to Christmas and like the tradition of it all, it's just, I think it's really clever. Dude, so clever. So fucking clever. That's a, that's a great fuck. That's a great number one. Um, and we should, we should also mention, we didn't talk about it yet, but this movie is also 3D. I mean, it's in the title, but like they, and the way that they like ham up the 3D because it was, I mean, if you weren't, I mean, depending on how old you are and how often you go to the theater, every fucking movie at this time was 3D. Yep. Most of them completely unnecessarily. And it was just like a thing, a phase that we knew we would have to get through. And like they even have the TV in there, but like all of the 3D in it is like, 
outrageous and unnecessary and they make jokes about it and i i think they play that off pretty well actually i agree it was funny for it because it was like it was one of the few movies that you they were sort of in on the joke and it was you know it was funny a couple of the 3d things really do pop and it's funny rewatching it now obviously in 2d because you you can tell all the moments that are supposed to be the 3d moments and everything um oh man i gotta drop just just a line that i just love because of again the play on real life that i don't want to forget is of course when they're getting to the party and adrian is going to meet mary he tells them that one he told this girl that he is robert pattinson's acting coach and then he tells kumar that he was like oh yeah and i said that kumar works at the white house and then like, who's gonna believe that and very funny line to insert because Cal Penn in real life worked for the Obama administration and did work at the White House. And he actually took time off from his job. He he sort of actually he left it with the intention of coming back. And I think it was very known that he would come back. But he took time off from the job to make this movie. Um, and I mean, it's pretty fucking unbelievable. First of all, that Cal Penn became this like figure in politics after being an actor for a handful of years but yeah i thought that was funny um we also cannot let go we we can't just not talk about how fucking hilarious danny trejo is in this he is yeah he's he is great so good he plays like he's he's like the scary dad and it's like at the end he ends up they end up bonding because harold stands up to him and he wants to he's like oh i just wanted to make sure that you know, whoever married my daughters has some cojones and it was, it's so good. But, um, a couple little fun facts that I'm going to drop because it wouldn't be right if I left this out of the fun fact game. Um, so when Adrian ties the Christmas tree to the roof of his car and he says, let's drop this tree off at Sulu's, he's referring to Harold. And it's funny because fucking John Cho plays sulu in the reboot of star trek um so that's a funny little like easter egg we've got oh so thomas lennon and amir blumenfeld they ad-libbed they improv most of their lines um the waffle bot this is interesting the waffle bot in the film it is based on a waffle making robot character from an unreleased college comedy screenplay that John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg wrote back in 2000 and they want, they loved the character. And so they wanted to carry it over somehow. Um, okay. Riza and Devon McDonald who play the two Christmas tree salesmen, they're named Lamar and Latrell, and Lamar Latrell was the name of the homosexual African-American Trilam member in the Revenge of the Nerds franchise. That's a pretty random little like Easter egg. Um, and then, all right, I'll give one more. So at one point in this movie, Kumar gets in a debate over whether the karate kid is better than the tw- 2010 remake. Um, and obviously John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, who wrote the film, 
went on to write and direct Cobra Kai. Pretty fucking funny. The only one that I'll add, which I should have added, was just that uh, the the claymation scene is done by this company, Leica, that's just, which is like based near uh, Portland, Oregon. And I didn't know this, but they're founded by Phil Knight, the guy from Nike. No way. And I think his son still like runs it. But I had no idea that Phil Knight was involved in anything like that, to be honest, until this Not movie. Not me either. So big shout out to them. That's crazy. Um, do you have anything else or should we should we dive into the end of the podcast? Our top our top five characters across all the films and our ranking of the films. Yeah, let's let's do yeah, let's do it. Which one should we do first? Let's do our top five characters. All right. So we're given our top five characters across all three films. We cannot choose Harold or Kumar or MPH because MPH is obviously the best. Um, yes. You start this one off, my friend. My number five, I debated for a while because I wanted to put Danny Trejo at number mm-hmm. five. But I ended up putting Tits Hemingway. Oh. I just, I just, I, just, I already read the line. I just love the line. It's so hilarious. And then, the, like the fact that she gets branded and just like waddles out of like the bedroom, it just, it just gets me. She's like a great minor character. Just and just when MPH walks in and he's just like looking at all the different whores and he's just like bigger, 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 <laughs> bigger, and then he just starts talking to Hemingway. It's just such a funny name. It just gets me. Amazing. My number five is Kenny, played by Bobby Lee. Class of 2004. Dude, class of 2004. I mean, it's just so fucking funny. Like, him in the first one is amazing. And then just the fact that he is fucking, like, Harold's assistant in this new one is next so, fucking yeah. level. He's, num- he's my number three. And I just, I love Bobby Lee, but, like, the yeah, the difference between Bobby Lee today and and Kenneth Park, like especially in the first one, is so outrageous. Where he's just like, it's like they're just like asking him how it is to be an investment banker, and he's just like, awesome. He <laughs> just like looks at his friends, and he's like, I told you, he's good. <laughs> like, and then later, uh, you know, at the party where he's just like, who wants some Buddha? <laughs> just gets me. Dude, he's so good. And then, like, of course, in the new, in the fucking Christmas one, when he just goes and pretty much like acts as like the hero for Harold, he's like, "Hey, protesters! I just got a big Christmas bonus, so you can suck my rich yellow dick." (laughs) Such a good. I I was disappointed that he wasn't in the second one, so I'm so glad that they were able to pull him. Same, same. Uh. All right, so my number four. Yes, sir. So my number four is Wafflebot. <laughs> uh, you already mentioned that, like, I love that they were able to take this character that it, they created, like, way in the past, and then turn it into a totally, um, I guess you'd say, like, believable thing, like the the Christmas toy of the year, and then that he just like ends up having a totally unexpected arc where he saves them in the end. It's just, yeah, I love it. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. My number four is also 
from the third one, it's the real Santa Claus. Um, and he's just played by played by uh, Richard. Wait, how'd you say his last name earlier? I think it's Riley. Riley. Okay. It is spelled yeah. weird, but I think it's Riley. Well, so Richard Riley, I mean, again, such a bit part, but I just, well, again, I fucking love Christmas. And I just loved that one sort of line he delivered. And the fact that he's the reason Harold and Kumar came back together. I loved him. Great little part. Yeah, I cannot argue with you there. So, yeah, so my, my number three is Kenneth Park. Amazing. Okay, so your number three is Kenneth Park. My number three is Anthony Anderson as the Burger Shack employee. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, just one of the – maybe the – maybe my favorite cameo, I think, across the films. Just Just an amazing, memorable scene. My number two is – the extreme sport punk team. <laughs> Amazing. They they may be the most memorable part of all of the trilogy, to be honest. Like, and just every little scene with them is just so dense with amazing lines. But I mean, the the part where he's like, I, there's so many, but he's just like, they go into the convenience store and the guy's just like making the random noises at him, and he's like, what is that? Is that a pterodactyl? <laughs> And then extreme kayaking yep. uh, in the very beginning where you first see them, we're just like, let's go get some fucking Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, oh, wait, actually, there's there's two more. There's where he's like when they do the uh, the kayak right before he has the extreme chatter. Uh, he's like, dude, on a scale from one to ten, one being not so extreme and ten being extremely extreme, I give this a 9.5! <laughs> and then the very, very best one after they steal the car where he just goes, dude, that was so not extreme. And then like the leader just goes, I know, extreme sports punk number one. I know. <laughs> Such a funny little Dude, line. I love it. They, they are unbelievable. Um, they, funny enough, just missed mine, but I had a feeling that you would include them, so I wasn't worried. But they are just un. They are like of the of the first film, and even of the trilogy, one of the absolutely most memorable pieces of the films. It's just like, how do you not think of the extreme guys? They're unreal. Absolutely incredible. So my number two, I'm telling you, I know I told you this even before the podcast, but this character just took me, man. Mr. Perez, Danny Trejo. I just loved him in the movie. And I mean, it's hard not to love Danny Trejo, but he just does. He just scares Harold so much. I fucking love it. And the whole thing with the Christmas tree and, the story about how he grows the tree for all these years and it's this thing and it's he killed me in this he really killed me i love him so my number one is the tag team duo that we've talked about so much of uh goldie and rosenstein eddie k thomas and uh, david krumholtz same they're just hilarious in everyone. Uh, some of, I mean, we talked about. 
okay, so so first of all, I told you this the other day, but the, Eddie K. Thomas is just his lines that he has in this movie. He has so much more screen time in American Pie, but this may be one of, at least maybe my favorite role of his, because the few lines that he has, he just delivers them just beautifully. It's just so fucking perfect. I mean, we talked about them, but we're just like, and I'm going to see her boobs. <laughs> like, and I think Kumar's a fagel. Yeah. It's just like, and then later the two of them, like some of the moments we didn't talk about, but when, uh, when they get into like almost the accident on the yes. street and they're like, Oh dude, you got to go to this like rock and Asian party. And it's just like, uh, it's like, Oh, forget the yellow fever. I got the yellow plague. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> They just have so oh god! Every line they deliver is so fucking funny. Goldstein Rosenberg, literally the most fucking epic. Like they 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 even give MPH a run for his money, in my opinion. They they really do. I mean, and obviously, again, we we didn't do it because it wouldn't be fair. But clearly, MPH is number one. Just the maybe the greatest. I mean, it becomes so much more than a cameo, but probably the most successful. Like cameo turned into small role in movie history i com- i could not the, agree more the way that it develops the way it affects his career you know we've talked about kind of the dynamic between him being gay in real life i mean the whole thing is incredible also love his last line that we ever see of him i'll see you guys in number four <laughs> yeah that's true. that's true so wait what was your number one Gold scene in rosenberg oh yeah um okay. i mean there there was no one else that could take that spot they're just, just they're absolute be. legends, and uh, wow. I mean, there's nothing else I can say. Mike said it all. Goldstein and Rosenberg, they crush. So, I think now it comes comes down to the final moment. How do we rank these films, Mike? I would say that, unfortunately, my rankings are not very sexy. I have no hot takes. Me either. I think they just go in order. Clearly the first one's the best. I think you can debate two and three, but having watched them each a few times. The the second one, we talked about the parts that we hate, but it still does have a bunch of big laughs. Whereas the third one, it's sweet and I kind of like you said, like it's Christmas, love Christmas. It's it's good as a Christmas movie. They do some things successfully, but it just doesn't have the same big laughs throughout. It's a good film, but it just doesn't have those highs that the second one has. So for me, it's, yeah, it's one, two, three, and it goes that way. That, oh, dude, I was having the, so yeah, one is the best for sure. I was having the same debate between two and three, and it's it's so hard for me to honestly make the decision between those two because they are so close. I think what Mike just said is very true. And I think that is how you have to rank it in that two just has big laughs and more memorable scenes. And I think that needs to be taken into account. And even with how much I love Christmas movies, I I think two might just edge out three. And, and I will say, though, that I could see myself maybe coming back to three the most just because it could become like a yearly Christmas movie for me. Um, so it's hard. It's hard. One is definitely the best two and three. I'd hold very close. 
I am going to give to the edge. Yeah, completely agree. I think that's that's fair. But one, I mean, is is still, yeah. I mean, I can't believe that anybody hasn't seen it. But obviously, even if you have, like, just going to watch it, just it still absolutely slays. But it's just it's just of a great time, which is special, you know, for us. And and I had such a great time going back to watch it. Truly, one of the best like DVD owns of all time. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with it all. I agree with all that. It such a special time in our lives, and the amount of times we wore out that DVD, I just it it's up there for watches. And yeah, if you haven't seen them, like Mike said, you got to check this trilogy out. If you've seen White Castle and you never saw the sequels, or if you never made it to the Christmas one, absolutely go. And check it out. It you know the the Christmas one, the third one. It actually got decent reviews, so they're all great. Watch them. Maybe there'll be a fourth one day. You never know. The door is definitely not closed. Last I heard, I think. Yeah, that would just be. I mean, we're getting American Pie five, so you never exactly. know. exactly. Any anything's possible. So, to Harold and Kumar. We salute you with a joint and a bong rip. And till next time, friends. I think that's it. All right. See you guys later.